the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 112, recorded Friday, October 11th, 2013. Nested. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host for the week. Thank you so much for joining us, for downloading, for streaming it, however it is that you are listening to our voice. Thank you for doing so. Uh, my This week we have on a plethora of guests. First and foremost, we have George Tucker, the engineering coordinator for World Stage. How are you, sir? Um, I'm doing fine. Great to be with everybody today. Uh, also with us is Adrian Boyd. He is the senior system designer for Avitexture. Hello, Adrian. Oh, how's everybody? Doing good. It's Friday, and I don't know. I like the fall, so I'm all jacked up on something today. Uh, George Smith is a newbie, so gentlemen, be nice to him. Uh, he's a freelance graphic uh, technician, also works for audiovisualnewsweek.com. Welcome, Mr. Smith. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, he is known as the Integrated Systems Area Sales Manager for Sennheiser USA in the Great Midwest. How are you, Mr. Michael Drainer? Very well. Good. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, Sharp's got some stuff going on. Nest is has released. Um, now They've done the coolest uh, thermostat you've ever seen. Now they've done the coolest fire uh, or a smoke detector, detector you've ever seen. And uh, we're going to talk about why that's important and why that matters uh, for both residential and pro. But first, something that came down the pike yesterday, actually. So it is as late breaking news as we get in the world of AV. Uh, it comes from, from our buddy uh, Ted Green over at, uh, at uh, Strategy, uh, strategy.com. The piece quotes Reuters and AP and a couple other Bloomberg and a couple other uh, uh, news outlets. But the story says Panasonic is pulling the plug on plasma. Now, I'm a fan of alliteration just like anybody else. Ooh. Very nice. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. They're going to focus on LCDs. Uh, and as I, the reason I mentioned the fact that, that Ted quoted and, and, and sourced this thing out is I was talking to a Panasonic rep yesterday, and I told you know he, he knows that I do the podcast, and we were talking about various news stories. I said, "Hey, by the way," I said, "You know, the Panasonic's you know not going to do plasmas anymore." He goes, "No, they're not." I said, "No, no, there's you know Reuters is reporting it." He goes, "No, that's not they're they're not getting rid of plasmas." So what we what we have is that we have an interesting. Conundrum. Conundrum. <laughs> Reuters, Bloomberg, the Nikkei uh, is, are all reporting that Panasonic is shutting down their plasma. According to our my local rep here, who just got back from Chicago and two days worth of meetings with, with Panasonic, they're not. They are focusing on LCD, absolutely, and they're coming out with some, with some interesting things. But, quote, unquote, they're still going to have their big, bad plasmas. It's a ploy. It's a ploy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, Mr. I've Smith, got an answer for that one. Go ahead. Well, you know, they didn't stop manufacturing, like put on the brakes and, uh, oh, we, we're all out of them. <laughs> no, they've, they've got a buttload of plasmas because nobody wants to buy them. And, of course, they're going to say, <laughs> hey, yeah, we're still making them. Please buy our plasmas. That's exactly what's happening. That's a good point. So, in other words, yeah. they're not going to do the manufacturing, but they're still going to have they're going to have some in in their in their uh distribution line absolutely okay uh, george uh, tucker if this is true if, if if they are shutting down the production aspect let's say of of the plasma how big of a deal is that um for the world of displays when there are people salivating over the po possibility of oled and lcd obviously has taken off and, and even backlit um led uh, has taken off how big of a deal is it that that one of the major plasma manufacturers may or may not be ending their production line. At risk of sounding like a bad word these days, a, a moderate on this issue. I, I think George has got it partly right, and I think it's partly the people who will be most upset are the really high-end installations, 
because Plasma's really not making that much of the market anymore. I mean, with LCD, you've got it's just good enough. It's better, just better than good enough, actually, if you really want to talk about it. And the difference in price and the difference in quality really only affects the high-end market. When you're talking about, you know, the luxury market on the lower end, and you know, for some of us, that's a lot of money still. Yeah. LCDs just better than good enough, and it works. It's got the nice off-angle access. Yeah, it's not as good as plasma, but everybody that you talk to would love to see plasmas become the thing because of the high quality because you sit there and go wow but nobody wants to pay the price for it so uh, just like the article said despite what your connection has stated uh, if you read the article they basically said that they're shifting the plant from 80 percent plasma or lcd even to 80 percent mobile where everybody's going and i have to invoke the swanee inverse square rule here that i've often <laughs> stated which is which is poor Phil, he loves it um which if no one's heard it before which is every time phil swan of tv predictions.tv says that nobody will watch uh, a good enough amount of media on mobile devices or tablets the users that do so doubles <laughs> <laughs> it's the inverse square law for swanee uh and i think this is just showing it right there and yeah, plasma would be nice, but everybody's moving towards it. Whether that's a good or bad deal, like MP3s versus high, you know, high uh, fidelity files and audio, it's still happening. And there, there we go. Okay, Adrian, we're we're going to take something off of what George just said. So instead of focusing on the big the big mammoth screens, whether what regardless of what the the uh, the display technology is, they're going to, according to George, they're going to focus more on the smaller pieces of glass. Is that a smart thing for plasma or for for Panasonic to do? Well, it depends on what their their end goal is. I mean, they make money. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not being I'm not being if, snide. If, that that's look, that's their bottom line. Is the bottom you line? You know, in their article, I mean, Panasonic has not done well for the last couple quarters. I mean, they've got a fifteen billion dollar net loss for the last two years. That's a lot of money for any company to lose, and. You know, we look at a lot of the display manufacturers, especially the Japanese. They've had a huge problem the last couple of years of keeping market share, of keeping um, you know synergy and excitement with their product lines, because they're having to compete with um, a lot of the other you know uh, Pan Asian co uh, um, companies and countries in terms of production. Uh, uh, Samsung has been nipping at their heels. Uh, LG and all of the startups out of China, so they have to do something. And and you know another article we're gonna we're probably you know which really dovetails into this is you know overall global sales of of, of flat oh, panels has been relatively flat for the last little bit. And you know it's when you look at it is there's there's a couple factors involved. One is the economy is slightly depressed, but when we look at the amount of people who've bought a lot of people have already bought that flat screen they bought it they're happy with it it's just good enough as george has mentioned and no one really wants to go out and buy anything new unless they have a catastrophic failure in a device well hang on for a second. i mean we're not in a the, the the economy is not necessarily depressed anymore we we've we've come out of the recession um and i would say as evidenced by the last two major av uh trade shows cedia and infocom and the fact that the people who are making buying decisions, the people who are, are actually, you know, putting their their cash on the barrel, are coming back. Does that make sense, or am I missing something in the relatively? You, yes, you, there is true. But let's look at you know, when we when we look at the terms of technology buying. What are more? What are people buying more of, and they're not batting an eye at? No one bats an eye at buying a new cell phone. You know, a new smartphone, a, a tablet device. You know, which makes sense if they're going to shift to mobile. No one's batting an eye at the at the prices. I mean, uh, you look at uh, what Amazon has done with their Kindles, with you know, with Apple, with Microsoft, and and some of the talk of them purchasing Nokia. Mobile is is kind of where it's at. No one's batting an eye at spending six hundred dollars or four hundred dollars on a on a device you put in your hand that has all the power of a TV, and more some. And then some, yeah. So. I, I don't see it a stretch for them to make that shift. Now, what are they going to come out with in terms of mobile? Who knows? You know, are they going to try to come up with a device that's going to compete with 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 what with Apple, with 
you know, HTC with all of these other um, mobile device providers? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not in the Panasonic factory. Yes. But it would be interesting to see what they come up with. Michael, Adrian, and, go ahead. And also, bear in mind, they have a huge market share when it comes to um, battery technology. Well, battery technology, so, they've had, they have a huge... I mean, Panasonic is not a, a, a one-show a one-trick pony, right? I mean, they, no. they've they got we, a, a huge line of, of projectors, some pretty innovative ones at that. Uh, they've got, good Lord, broadcast. broadcast. They've got drills. I mean, <laughs> actually, I, no, so, seriously, one of my favorite drills I've ever owned was a Panasonic cordless drill. It, the, the sucker just worked. But, uh, you know, if you, if you think about it, if they're going to come up with a mobile device and they have battery technology that can make it last five times as long as anything on the market, they may have something. Michael, Adrian, what's, what's the number one ex- accessory if someone buys for an iPhone after they get it? It's usually either a portable charger or a battery extension. It's Mophie. Or a case. <laughs> or, my my yeah, Mophie or case. case or something that's got a built-in battery. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's all sorts of um, suppositions we can make about this. So, Adrian, I have a question. Sure. Per um, Tim's statement that it's not really a depression, so we're just saying the economy is sort of melancholy right now? Is that what we're saying? Sure. <laughs> hmm. No, I think Adrian hit it on the head when he said, right? Yeah, when you said the market was flooded with with LCD technology and so on, I think that's exactly true. I, I think uh, the price of of big screen televisions have come down significantly in the past two three years. That everyone bought them, and now we're in a point where they're all working. You know, why replace it? There, there, there is better technology out there, but why invest in it? And my, exactly. my, my television looks good enough. Yeah. So I you think know, that's where we're Mine at. looks great because you know, it's a plasma. It. Thank you, you very right much. Now purchase, you know, like a, a 50-inch plasma from Panasonic for around $700. That's right. That's right. And that's who would have thunk that would, would have been a price for a 50-inch plasma uh, back in the day when they were first starting out. 50 inch, my God, that, that would have been 10 grand, you know, easily. Okay, yeah, so, you know. so hang on for a second, guys. Let, let me ask you, because you're throwing down around some interesting numbers, and, and I want to I want to take, take a couple steps back and look at the bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian made the comment that people are not batting an eye at spending four, five, six hundred $600 for a, a tablet, and he's right, you know. Uh, depending on the tablet, you, you, you know, the iPads start at, four, at $500. Uh, the is fires, the, the Kindle fires are around $200. Uh, the surface, if you'd like to go there, is like seven or eight hundred bucks. The what? I'm not the, going there. Uh, oh, and even and even the Android tablets, you know, they're still they're all around that that slightly four to six hundred dollar range. Right. It's the same price as a plasma. I mean, it's it's seriously. And so you guys are right. They're, the people are making a conscious decision because the the same amount of money is in their hand. The same amount of of, of disposable income is in their checking account, and so they're making a conscious decision to purchase. A considerably smaller screen that has a lot more functionality and obviously a lot more mobility. Where does that put us, though, in the next four or five years when it comes to both residential and pro AV? When <laughs> the manufacturers who are manufacturing the displays aren't going to have the income to do the R and D, so are we going to be stuck in I don't know in in two thousand ten two thousand thirteen? technology for displays because they're simply not getting the revenue no i can i answer that yes sir yeah no uh, you're gonna have a reset of of the um the type of technology basically we're we're in a lull right now but but we're gearing up for 4k rollout and oled and that's gonna happen come christmas time oh george Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I want one for Christmas, damn it. Well, you and me but... both, but we're not going to get an OLED for Christmas. I'm sorry to tell you. I, not this year, not last year, not the year before but that. But 4K is going to be big time yes, at absolutely. the end of this year. And, I, I and that's going to that. be the latest, greatest, and that's going to be the reset. And, of course, they're going to they're gonna hit high. And uh, it's going to be just like when they rolled out the large screen LCDs and plasmas. It's uh, going to be not obtainable for now and give it a year or so and then it'll start uh, coming down in price and everyone will buy one not everyone but a lot of people a lot of people but you yeah, know I I, mean, I once, wanna... once the content exists and that's always been the big argument we've had every time we've you know on on previous episodes it's always been content 
Well, yeah. There's, there's no content to drive anything. Well, we there's have the technology. There's no content. Yeah, I mean, Sony has their their movies that they're offering. I think what is it, seventy titles right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're allegedly going to a hundred titles by the end of the year. But you are getting a lot of television stations that are starting to broadcast in 4K. And there, there are. I, I would. I'm thinking there are sports uh, events, and and I don't like sports. I just don't do sports. But I've heard that they're going to start doing the 4K thing, which would be amazing, you know. And so, I mean, there is going to be content. There's just not a lot of content, but you know, it, it it's a start. It has to start somewhere. But you know, guys, I think the market's shifting a little bit, and I think the piece that we're overlooking is that even though the R&D is going into 4K, we are going to see the, the latest and greatest come out, and there will be investments made in that technology. Tim made a very good point, and that is that people only have, on the consumer side, a certain amount of disposable income available to them these days. And that being the case, even though the latest and greatest might be available, I think what we're going to see is people are going to invest it more in the mobile technology than they are the fixed technology. When LCD and plasma first hit the market, we didn't have the huge saturation rate that we have with today with the smartphone and the, and the mobile devices. So we are seeing the consumers spend a tremendous amount more money into that space, therefore pulling more away from the large format displays. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm making a prediction that we are going to see in the next five years, we're going to see a great slowing in the large format display marketplace. As far as technology or production or what? No, as far as just overall sales. You know, the new technology is going to come out. You're not going to see the huge saturation rate immediately like we saw with LCD and plasma because people are spending their money in different places. All for the same type of device, i.e. a consumption device. Correct. Okay, I got you. Correct. That makes sense. Yeah, and and just to kind of and we get a lot asked a lot about is well how do I walk in with that device and I do a presentation, and we've seen inroads from a lot of manufacturers on how you get that smart device your phone your tablet onto a in onto a projection system, so you're still going to have a projection system, but I think that infrastructure uh, of how you get that content into that projection system, that's pro- where we're going to start seeing. Um, more of the integration, more of the research being done so that you can make that happen. Because right now it's painful at best. But Adrian, let's take that to the next step. Forget the large format display and forget the projection system. You know, oh, put where, the Pico projector in the phone or in the tablet. Well, not, not even that. But we're going to take it to the point where you're bringing your mobile device in. And as soon as you walk in, the content's going to stream to your device. It's right in front of you. Why do I need a projector? Why do I need a display? And that, that has been asked. Believe it or not, we, we, we had a client that asked, could that happen? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely we researched it. Yeah. And But the cost right now is so astronomical to make that happen between various devices and manufacturers and ecosystems. Okay. Yeah. But Correct. here's the thing, guys. And, and um, Here recently I did some uh, – I read up and, and had a presentation uh, by Mersive, who has a, a product called Solstice. And right. they've got it's a wireless video. Um, Click Share from Barco is a wireless video ish thing. Um, the uh, Air Media from Crestron. Adrian's right. There's the, the integration part for for us and for our industry is going to be getting it from your display from whatever to a, a bigger screen. Is is going to be there's still going to be a, a use case for the boardrooms and for uh, classrooms and and a lot more collaborative that the more collaborative you can make it the the easier it's going to be to sell it because you know like i mentioned that the immersive piece holy cow and this thing does uh you can show four or five displays at the same time and you can have as many really in the queue it's what they call it uh, as you want that's that's groundbreaking now it's still wireless video right let's mm-hmm. let's be honest here and that still scares the the bejesus out of me because Every time somebody says wireless video, and good Lord, I've been dealing with it and, and looking at it for the last, I know, five or six years, uh, no, six, seven years, uh, when the first time I, I saw one, it's not the greatest thing in the world. And and every time I see a demo, I, 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 I'm pensive, I guess, or, or at least guarded that, you know, yes, this looks great on the showroom floor, or yes, this looks great on the on the trade show floor but put it in a real environment right put it in a real working you know classroom next to another classroom that has the exact same 
uh, wireless system and see if they if they play nice to, with each other. Uh, so you know, as as we advance in technology, there will come a point in time when having wireless video and having this whole collaborative, you know, huddle this or whatever space you want to call it, um, it is going to be there. The question is, when is that, and who is that first manufacturer going to be? Um, all right, we've we've. Uh, <laughs> I we think, beat, we've beaten this one. I think we've I think we've solved. I th- no, I think we've solved the uh, solved the world's problems. The world's problems. Yes. Um, up next, this comes to us. Actually, comes from Nest. Nest.com. Uh, everybody knows what Nest and the, the and the the thermostat is. They made a big to do about uh, at Cedia this year, opening up their API control for. I think they probably had a deal going on beforehand, but you know they were the first ones to say yes, we're going to integrate the uh, the Nest stuff into con- my, uh, into the control four stuff. This week, uh, if you were on the mailing list for Nest, you got a handy-dandy little uh, email that said, Nest Protect. And if you're as curious as I am, I, of course, immediately clicked on it. Um, What Nest Protect is, is it's a smoke detector. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Here's the thing. This is just me, and I immediately showed my wife, and she said no, and I said, yes, I'm getting six of these. Um... It's 130 bucks, right? And first of all, you can get a it, you can get it in black. That right there is just cool. Uh, but this thing is a smoke detector. It's a carbon monoxide alarm. It did it, it is doing for at least it, it works like it says it does, and I have no reason to believe it doesn't because the the Nest thermostat works like it says. Um, it is the smartest, ju- most giant leap forward. <laughs> For, for smoke detectors, and of course, it's all integrated, and it's wireless, and it's on your network. Um, you know, it's the whole, the old adage, you know, find the man who builds a better mousetrap. Well, they have done that. Uh, for years, all a smoke detector did was detect smoke, and this thing does a lot more. Michael, should we embrace Nest and their crazy, innovative ideas, or should we be frightened as... AV integrators and AV consultants and, and programmers that here comes this company little by little and they're they're worming their way into our homes. It's the way it's going either way. So I mean, it doesn't matter. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, you know, embrace whether our, you want to embrace, embrace Nest or if you want to embrace somebody else. I, I think it's pretty cool what they're doing. You know, they're taking it to the next level. Um, they're providing additional layers, not necessarily of protection, but ways of managing your protection and to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, um, if you look at the website, I can't tell you how many times as a bachelor I burnt stuff in the kitchen. I can tell you how many times <laughs> because we lived together. <laughs> My roommate would tell you. Um so, you know, you, you get the towel and you're waving it and trying to yep. get it to shut up. You can't do that. Well, with this, you can actually just wave at it and say, yep, it's a false alarm. And it gets quiet and goes and away to its doing its thing. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, the, the extended life batteries are a big deal. How many people forget to change the batteries mm-hmm. in their smoke detectors? The fact it'll send you a text or an alert on your iPhone if there's a problem or your Android device. I mean, I think that's that's a really good step in preventative protection and proactive protection of your household and property safety and um and health so mr tucker how big of a deal is this that that nest is is getting more and more integrated or possibly you know they're, they're trying to get more integrated into our homes i think it's big on both levels from a control for or our industry of you know custom installation stuff and from nest i think this was their plan all along and they played the no 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 we're just doing this this is our main goal thing as we spoke Very earlier. Apple-ish. Yeah, sort of, hey, no, 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 this is really what the plan is. We're dedicated to this. And, of course, all along the plan was, you know, let's let's finally find the right integrator and, and do that because they want that market. And for someone like Control 4 and for Nest, I think this is huge because you would then at once sort of cut off at the knees the alarm system and the cable company or phone company stuff that is trying to do that already. There are the cable companies and the security companies and AT&T, I think they have the um, thing in the South. I can't remember what it's called uh, off the top of my head, but they can do your security and your camera watching and control your lights and maybe add a remote control. They've sort of blocked that market and sort of given a foray of the mid-range home automation stuff into that market and saying, no, 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 you don't want these guys. You guys have got the guys who've been doing it and are the cool guys. Uh, So I think it's, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead, George. I was just say, I, I wrote an article about this in uh, Commercial Integrator about the ecosystems, friend or foe. And 
a lot of the consensus is, nah, they're never going to get into this. But they are, and you have to sort of see them as friend and be able to make your way through them and accept that when Nest comes to Control 4, that's a really good thing for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George Smith is, is, like Mr. Tucker says, is Nest good for the industry? Oh, you know it is. And, and you know, thank God for smartphones and smart pads because that made it all possible. You know, it, it, was, it was waiting for that. You know, I mean, to be able to connect to your, your phone or your uh, pad and then know exactly what's happening at your house, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a huge leap. What I got a jolly out of was the, uh, the, the light ring that, that says the level of danger. I mean, is it like yeah. yellow, you're going to start coughing, uh, red, I'm sorry, you're dead now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, just well, level of danger, light. Well, and the warning, fact that Will Robinson warning, yeah, warning. <laughs> warning Will Robinson. Yes. Um, also, it, it it it's a it's a wayfinder uh, light it, at night when you turn off all the lights. It actually gives almost almost like like a night light. Um, oh, maybe I could take out take out my kids' night lights and just replace it with this. Uh, and it and it talks to you. Which I know it's cheesy, but it's freaking cool. It says danger. <laughs> There's smoke in the X room. You know, in whatever whatever room you tell it to be. Um, <laughs> Adrian, uh, where are we with with Nest? I mean, where are we? Are we loving them, or are we scared scared to death of them? No, we're not scared of them at all. I mean, it's they're just they're taking technology that's already been around more in the consumer world, uh, and more in the uh, I would say the professional world, because this type type of technology exists in smart buildings. Hmm. So they're just kind of putting it all together for a residential environment. Um, just a couple of key things to remember is it's not certified yet. It still has to go through a lot of the certifications to make it a smoke alarm that's, you know, viable to use in a residence. Um, the other thing to do is all those nine volt battery manufacturers are just going to be out of replacing smoke alarms. <laughs> well, and he, he makes a good point because th there is a, a wired version as well as a battery version. Um, yep. You can you can order either one. Is that and I'm not a fire anything. <laughs> I'm asking a question here. Is that smart to have a wired? Smoke alarm. Most or? most new construction has a dedicated. You have a dedicated um, 120 volt line to your breaker panel, oh, and they they're hardwired. Okay, and they have battery backup. Yeah, and so it's you get both. So uh, if you've replaced smoke alarms, um, which you're supposed to do every 10 years, um, they they'll they'll have a little connector on the back. It looks like a Phoenix block. You push it in, and it's it's powered. It's wired. You put the battery, and you're ready to go. Hmm. Um, and and then there are others that are low voltage, but most of them are wired. They're, that's how they work in tandem together. When an alarm goes off, then they're all triggered. Now they'll just do this one PoE. Very nice. They should do that. Actually, they should. That would I be cool. Like yeah, that, that. Should, that should be their next one. By the way, the fact that you have to replace it every ten years—that's my end with my wife. So thank you very much, Drake. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I, I just uh, in the place that we're staying, we're renting. I just replaced all the fire alarms because they were past due, and I was having issues, and I just replaced them. I told the landlord they had to be replaced, and just did it. But if you look at them, they have little tags: replace every ten years, because um, only older fire alarms actually. Um, some of them actually had a little um, radioactive uh, activator in them, mm -hmm. and. They're all being cycled out now to newer technology, and and some of them are almost as smart as the Nest, uh, depending on the price point. Yes, but they don't look as cool, <laughs> and it doesn't. Well, and it, I'm trying to figure out why they went white and black because don't you want to have a white thing on the ceiling? <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. That's that's a good point. I mean, the, the fact that I, I showed my kids this, and my my five year old son immediately said he wanted a black one because it was cool. You know, so it's there. It it, there's a decora thing here. You know, that's that's the one thing that Nest, the thermostat, did was the fact that it replaced this clunky, boxy-looking thing with a very Appleish. And I, I, I hate going back to that, but that is the aesthetic that they were going for, and they, I think I think they achieved it. Uh, it's very Appleish uh, aesthetic, and if if they can continue that through the rest of their product line, whatever that may be. I think they'll have uh, they'll have more than one or two winners. So. so when are they coming out with the camera version? What do you mean? So you know, like Vivint, and you were talking about AT and T mm -hmm. and all these that do the video surveillance and everything. They need to put the camera on board for remote surveillance of your home. Oh, I would be, I would have d problems with that. Well, you do, people do it all the time. Know, yeah, they I, put they yeah. put they put surveillance in their home for their own personal use. I I, I still sure. that's creepy to me. I just did it for my new daughter. We we have a we have a smart baby monitor. 
Okay, smart. Yeah, hang on for a second. I'll, I'll give you smart baby monitor. What Michael's talking about though is putting a camera inside a smoke alarm and putting it in someone's bedroom. I got up. Yeah, I didn't. No, I no, no. I, I, I didn't say. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't that. say. Very afraid. But, but I did not I'm, mean somebody's bedroom. Well, that's what it's I'm, something that, you put in the living room where okay. it's looking toward the front oh, door, okay. or it's in the oh, kitchen no. where you can watch what's going on in the kitchen. <laughs> all right. People oh, do it no, all no. the time. Michael all has. The time. Michael has a boy, and I have. I have a girl. That's why I yeah. think that way. So like, you ain't putting. <laughs> you ain't putting no camera. Okay, so we had this discussion a while back about the remote video surveillance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. You know, the fact that people put surveillance at their home so that they can personally log in and see what's and so, going on. I gotcha. It's a separate device that you would have to do. Uh, okay. Now, what I find interesting with this whole thing is they're they're kind of turning this market a different direction. All these providers that you talked about before, it's they subsidize the hardware yes. in exchange for the services. These guys are taking the different approach. It's more the Apple approach. Here, Here's the hardware. Service is free. You yeah, use, the, use your internet connection. You do your own deployment. You handle it. It's all on you. The hardware is what it is. The price is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's a premium there. I mean, the, the Nest device is 200, the, the, the thermostat is $250. That's an expensive thermostat. But but amortize that out over oh, the, yeah, period of the life of the product, mm-hmm. and, and it's definitely going to be cheaper than paying for that recurring service. Yes. Now, as Adrian was talking about the certifications and whatnot, I don't know where they stand on this, but then you get into the whole um, remote and alarm monitoring piece of that and the peace of mind that that brings to consumers. So mm-hmm. this is not going to captivate the market holistically, but it's definitely going to hit the DIYers. I think it'll hit the DIYers, but in, in addition to that, it'll it'll hit people who – who see the value in, in, first of all, you've got two different monitors here, right? You've got a, a CO monitor, uh, a carbon monoxide monitor, sorry. And uh, at least in the state of Illinois, you have to have one. It's, mm-hmm. it's the law. Um, and then you have the smoke detector. Throw in the fact that it's just flipping cool and it does all these other things. It does, you know, the, the remote monitoring. It, it tells you where the issues are. Uh, it has a light, at, you know, if, if you turn off the lights and stuff. I think that that more than just DIYers will, will tackle into this. But my point is, how does it, because I didn't see anything in the website, I'm curious to see how it's going to integrate with third-party monitoring services and how it's going to be adopted into that environment. There was nothing in the in the video, at least in the, right. in the promo video, about integrating, like, there's nothing about the API, right? right. Um, right. And I think we'll have to wait in, until they get, uh, you know, go through the approval process and then, you know, mm-hmm. once it goes out there. So uh, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there is Michael Drainer from Sennheiser. George Smith is here from audiovisualnewsweek.com. Adrian Boyd from Avitecture and George Tucker from World Stage. From avinteractive.com, Sharp introduces a 4K, yay, 32-inch touchscreen monitor. Uh, my initial thought on this, and, and George, you're the only one of us here that I know of that has ever worked directly for a control manufacturer, so we'll kick this off with you. Are we going to get to the point where control companies stop making touch panels, or at least slow them down? I wonder. I mean, the the whole <laughs> consumer-grade stuff. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I remember working for that and watching the joy the rapturous joy that many dealers had when these things came out and they knew they could at least force it to be a touch panel without having to buy the company panels. And then, you know, again, joy, hey, you finally accepted it and released a, uh, uh, an app for doing it. Great. Uh, they really were looking for this. And I think you're right. They won't they won't be making their own touch panels in the numbers and types that they do now. I think you'll have some very industrial versions, but they may actually become the suppliers. I mean, people like people like Crestron AMX who make a lot of their own may become the manufacturing provider to others. And I think that's a possibility, regardless of the Chinese making, you know, a thousand cheap ones. You want that industrial version that'll last inside of a warehouse or in a in a plant that needs it, then that's what you're gonna get it from. But other than that, yeah, I think or unless a, something remarkable changes. Or on a college campus when you have professors punching touch panels. So uh, that's true, but don't I, you I want the cheaper ones then? Because you could just replace well, that them. That is true, yeah. Just give me that. Because the they're going to find a way no matter what. Oh, jeez. Well, this this device from Sharp, I think, is a little overkill for a touchscreen. Because yeah. what it's ultimately was designed for, it's for your, your graphic designers, your CAD people, your medical imaging market. I mean, 32 inches, that's a big touchscreen to stick on, on a, in a lectern or uh, on a boardroom table just to have, oh, it's 4K and it's a touchscreen. Says who? Oh, okay, but says who? Hang on for Come on, for I, digre- I disagree. What? I think that'd be cool. Well, but wait a minute. It's not, but he's right. The design for it is for designers to use CAD and those engineering types because it's got like a two millimeter, I don't want to say pitch, but like that two millimeter pen 
Yeah. Moving around very small technical objects. And it's made to lay flat like a, a, a drawing panel. And you can still see it 4K flat off axis. That's the remarkable part about it, I think. Gentlemen. Yeah, and, and honestly, when, we, when you do apples to apples comparison with a touchscreen and, and this, um, I mean, it, it's MSRP price is around $5,200. Okay. Okay. That's, hang, that's hang. pretty pricey. No, it's yeah. not. Not well, when you compare it to a touch when panel. You look at what it does. Not when you compare and, it to. Hang on for a second. Not when you compare it to a touch products. panel. A, a six inch, um, it, well, let's take a Madero. A Madero eight or ten inch is five or six thousand dollars list price. Right. Okay. So you have a thirty two inch <laughs> for the same price with finite low high pitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm paying the same price and I'm getting three times as much real estate. I'll do that all day every day. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out though is annotation. Annotation, uh, when it comes to uh, college classrooms, you have the ability, when it comes to, um, you can have uh, annotation and showing showing students what you're talking about on the board, you can do a smart board, you can do an integrated uh, smart, uh, an, an integrated annotation system with projectors, Epson's got them now, Sony has them now, or you could integrate that into your touch panel and bring up that image on your touch panel and annotate directly on the touch panel. You tell me that a professor, regardless of, 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 of what they're teaching, wouldn't rather write directly on the lectern instead of having to go up to the board and, and you know manage this thing, that, and the other. That's a great annotated an, annotation tab. Yeah, it's like your symposiums and your, and your Wacom panels yes. and stuff like that. And it puts, this is putting it at a price point and with a level of detail that you don't get with any of those systems. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. George Smith, what do you think about this uh, this 32-inch 4K touch panel? Oh, well, uh, like you said, for education, I think they would drool over something like that. Uh, it's, it's a high-tech a high tech overhead projector. <laughs> you know, I mean, really. <laughs> you'd be able to draw on it. Um, yes, and, and it's just, I mean, 32 inches. I mean, really, that's, that's huge. I, I think it's all touch panels basically have not really caught on. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, how, how often do we really see touch panels out there other than in exhibits and so forth and so on, that, that kind of thing. But in uh, even in education, uh, in audiovisual life, we, we really don't see it a whole lot other than exhibit booths. So is it going to catch on? Probably not. Is it awesome technology? It certainly is. Yeah. It's just cool. And I mm -hmm. like the idea. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a game changer. I really do. You know, have especially when you get into um, engineering studies, you get into CAD programs mm -hmm. and um, medical and imaging. And I mean, think about all the educational applications there and then take that up to the professional level. Right. I mean, when we're sitting in a in a in a design meeting or something along that lines, the, the ability to pull up a schematic and to, to with detail be able to mark that thing up without having to get the mouse out mm -hmm. and the and the 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 wacky pad or whatever that you want to use um to be able to walk up to the screen and do that with the, the two millimeter detail i think that that's just a real game changer in many different aspects of the industry uh is as it as long as you don't lose the pen it, as long <laughs> yes. as, it, well exactly no, exactly and that's and that's a valid point but that's just like my my ipad now i mean i keep four stylists in my bag because <laughs> i do them <laughs> like crazy good lord are you and telling me you suffer from fat finger syndrome I, I well that and i and i use it for taking a lot of notes so and i've got some cool handwriting apps i use and if notes i can backtrack plus. a little bit on that i mean um, the touch panel, we're, we're actually we're doing that now with, with pads, I mean smart pads and all that, and, and doing presentations in, in rooms. Again, I, don't, I, I can see this is awesome technology, but really uh, iPads, smart pads, they're doing it also. And you can present almost the same with, with your pad, and I suspect that that's going to be a common thing. That, that everyone's going to do uh, a connection to the projector or a connection to the uh, uh, 4K monitor and show your work that way and connect wirelessly to that. So I'm not sold on the touch, uh, the touch screen here, the 32-inch Sharp. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, mm -hmm. from, residential from residentialsystems.com, Geffen founder has stepped down. Uh, Mr. Geffen, who... Uh, um, uh, Geffen now is a part of, of Nortech uh, Technology Solutions Group. 
Uh, Geffen will be led by Sean Burke uh, going forward. Burke said that this is a natural evolution that we have all been anticipating for some time now. So no big surprise here. Um, that's not the story, but I just want to talk a little bit about what Geffen means and, and what uh, Mr. Geffen actually has has done for the industry. Adrian, we'll kick it off with you. What what when the book is finally written uh, about Mr. Geffen, what will it what will it say? Well, he helped you know popularize you know DVI as a as an input output. They had some of the first DVI products out there, uh, along with DVI gear. And they slowly develop products that we now use. Um, some people disagree with some of their, their their thought process, but they were they were some of the early you know manufacturers of of digital technology, so that we could get from point A to point B before Extron and Crestron, uh, and you know those other companies started making products, you know, getting out of the analog world and going into the digital world. So. That, I think that's a lot what what Geffen has brought to the table. Uh, George Tucker, what is uh, what will the uh, history book say about Mr. Geffen? I think he nailed it. Um, they like some of the others we've talked about in the last few months, either moving on or passing on. They developed these little add-on intermediate devices that let us transition from one to the next step and they're still used daily hell i have more geffen stuff in my shop right now that we use on a regular basis because we're going dvi all the time as we've had these arguments on air we use dvi all the time and sometimes we need to convert back and forth or change something about it and these boxes are just wonderful and they've done a it was a big big step forward although i do have a question it's always interesting right to see what happens to companies after the main guy leaves and i know they always make the the little salutations that we're going to continue with the engineering department and it'll always be the same just new leadership at the helm yeah. but look what happened to things like uh, apple or even amx and speakercraft after their their main person went away i'll be eager to see what happens with the company if they continue on or become more consumer centric or go in a different direction i'm not i'm not quite clear hmm. that's a good that's a good question it'll be something inter interesting to watch uh, Michael, when it comes to uh, integration and in, in both residential and, and commercial, uh, what will uh, what will we finally say about what Geffen has done? Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I mean, George and Adrian, I mean, they pretty well covered it. I, I mean, really, Geffen has, they, you know, they've paved the way in many different aspects of the industry, making affordable, uh, low-profile devices that that are real problem solvers for the industry, and and. Uh, I, I hope that the continuing management uh, carries on that legacy and continues to grow the company and to be as innovative as they've been in the past. Uh, George Smith, you have the, the last word on this. What will uh, we finally say about uh, about Mr. Geffen and, and his legacy in the AV industry? I love him, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he's, he, the quality of his, of his uh, <clears throat> equipment is just, unbelievable and you know he's been doing it for 25 years i mean uh you know hdmi that was that was pretty amazing you know he pushed that huge uh thank you mr geffen <laughs> and and you know i mean he's 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 kind of like a really quiet guy i mean he's not like uh, bill gates or or steve jobs and um the name Geffen, you, you you know the equipment, you know the company, but you never actually knew him. Uh, he he was not as outspoken as the the last two I mentioned. You know he's he's just quiet. He does his thing. He puts out great stuff, and uh, he was he was really good at it. So yeah. I hope it's more of a he's retiring kind of a thing, and uh, not being uh, pushed out kind of a thing. And I don't know. You never know. Well, you you, you don't. But that was I mean part of the the whole purchase uh, from Nortec was that was you know and that's what it, I mean. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying about the push out thing. It's like you never know. You know, it might it might be uh, I don't want to go. Leave, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> Just let me do my thing. That's right. Uh, from Commercial Integrator, this is written by our good friend Mr. Chris Netto. Um, what's in the bag? The eight must-haves for your site survey. So, gentlemen. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to if you want to comment on Chris's uh, list here, uh, and I'll go over it real quickly, but I want you to add to it maybe. Uh, number one is a checklist. Number two is a tape measure and a laser tape. I'm not sure why you need both of those, but, you know, we'll move on. Uh, tape a measures are only so long. 
<laughs> but that's what exactly. I'm saying. And a, la- and a laser tape can only doesn't work in finite situations. All right. Light meter. I only take a laser tape. Light meter, uh, an SPL meter, a camera of some sort, a flashlight, source material. Um, notice that he doesn't have a VHS on here somewhere. Um, and bring your own cables. So, hey. <laughs> uh, Mr. Smith, we'll kick it off with you. Yeah, uh, with, with, with great respect for Chris. <laughs> you know what? I've got my iPhone. My iPhone. I was does. just going to say that. <laughs> I mean, you stole right. mine. I mean, we're all going to say that, right? It's just like okay, nine out of ten things in that list, my iPhone has it all. And so what, what is the cross tip? out? Cross out. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> cross out seven of those, and uh, the last thing is bring your own cables. I'm in. I'm going to bring my own cables. Wow. Everything else I can do on my iPhone. Mr. Drano, you were just that was that was yours. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's got my flashlight. It's got my SPL meter. It has my spectrum analyzer. Now I can do full FFT on it. It's got my camera. Uh, got source material lives it on it. Level. It's got a level. Um, okay, but here's the thing. Let me know. ask you a question. I've got a... a, a now, don't I, trust the level on the, I, on the iPhone or the iPads because they're not calibrated properly. Yeah, but you know what? For a site survey, it gets you darn close. Well, that, that was going to be my question. I've, yeah. got, I've got an SPL meter and, and uh, on, my, on my Android and actually on, on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Is that... Accurate. I mean, seriously. Well, does does it have to be incredibly accurate? No. We're, we're we're more concerned about relative levels than we are exact levels in most there situations. You, you know, we're looking at relative changes. HVAC is off. HVAC on. What's what's the difference? Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Adrian, what's uh what's one or two things that you can add to this list? Um. See, not not a lot. I mean. It's, Chris has kind of got it bang on. I mean, you know, think I I like to carry pencils with me, and and erasers and a ruler, and um, and and a, like a real ruler, an actual scale ruler, so that because you never know when you might actually have a set of plans put in front of you, and you need to do some, some quick math. Um, you know, a calculator is always helpful, but it's on your phone too. So, I mean, a, 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 a you know any sort of electronic device that has most of the stuff, is pretty good. Um, I'm. There's actually a couple companies that make are making products that specifically tie to your iDevice or your Android phone, so you can actually do a 3D scan of a room, yep. and then be able to import that into any CAD program. Uh, I'm interested in getting something like that, but man, they're really expensive. Uh, all right, Mr. Tucker. Last but not least, um, whether it's an integration house or uh, uh, that does pro or residential or maybe even uh, staging and events, what's uh, one or two things that that you can add to uh, to Chris Netto's list here. Yeah, and on the iPhone thing, that works for most basic site surveys or going when you're using the iPhone tools, but when you're in something like a live event staging where we do video mapping, you have to have those laser things because we need to get a really accurate read. But aside from that, the thing that we always learned, especially when I was working for a manufacturer, is we had to put a class in to tell people what to bring with them because they were going, what do you mean I need to bring that? <laughs> the following things I think they need to bring at all times. Right, here we go. A tweaker. Oh, yeah. Tweaker of now, that's, that's, that's valid. That's valid. Question, which, which, which version? The really you cool... You one that does both. No, no, the really cool Vadio one or the crappy old one that you haven't gotten for three years? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. I don't know. I get mine from Granger. How about oh, that? Oh, there you go. So there you go. Um, <laughs> a pair of headphones. One with a with a both a quarter inch and an eighth inch that screws on, so okay. like the Sony ones use. Why? Because no, you more, more like the Sennheiser the ones. You mean? <laughs> sure. There you go. It's very nice. No, not sure. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, that's bad. He's Unfortunately, he is. Go ahead. Moving, moving on. Uh, a multimeter and or phase checker for electric. Hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, nice. that's good. That's good. Come into hand all the time. It don't work. Oh yeah. Here's why. <laughs> So that's my list. Those are physical things that you need to take that can't really be put in an iPhone, not currently at least. Well, and, and, and too, I think it depends on the situation. You know, George does a lot of rental staging rigging type situations versus a customer site survey for a new installation where, you know, you need to just get a rough estimate of what's going in. So I, I think, you know, a About good it. understanding of what your objective is and who you're going to see and what your purpose is can help refine that list. Well, that right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some sort of, of general, not not an entire scope of work, because some of that is going to happen at the at the site, but a general right. idea. 
what are they trying to accomplish here? You know, why am I going here? Right. Uh, I say that stuff because what does every one of these manufacturers and audio devices have in the back? Terminals, screw terminals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is, so multimeter check that there's actually continuity screw terminals to make sure they're seated back properly, yeah, you know, no, let man, alone going and opening a panel and looking at the buttons. But Very valid. And I guess another thing I could add is, is when you take photos is give a perspective of what you're taking for a photo. There's nothing mm. worse when you get a site photo and it's like, I don't know what this is for or mm. what's, what's it's a it close in relation up. to. Right. You know, there's like a picture of a wall. Okay. What's with the wall? You know, when you take photos of a site, you know, I love the panoramic feature on an iPhone because I can do a whole sweep of the room and get a good idea of what I've got. And then I can do my close-ups of my various sections and things like that. No, I like that. Uh, all right, guys, that's going to do it uh, for us for this week. Uh, with us has been Mr. George Smith. He is a freelance graphic technician and also uh, with audiovisualnewsweek.com. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, how can people find you, whether it be uh, on the interwebs or, or physically uh, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever? Oh, just go to audiovisualnewsweek.com, and there's lots of ways to get in touch with me from there. Okay. That mm. will work fine. Uh, also with us, Adrian Boyd from Avitexture. He is the senior systems designer. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, they can always uh, visit avitexture.com and, and see some of the things we do, but they can also get a hold of me on Twitter. I am the underscore AV underscore cat underscore guy on Twitter, and I try to be have funny things and, and interesting articles and and uh, and so on. And you know, I'm also I'm on all the other interweb things, LinkedIn and Google Plus and so on. Very good, uh, George Tucker from World Stage. Um, thank you, sir. And how how can people find you? Uh, they can find me almost anywhere. Uh, Tucker Twos is my social handle. If it's a platform, I'm there. I'm also currently writing for Corporate Tech Decisions and Commercial Integrator. Find my articles there. We'd love to get your comments. He's he's getting entirely too big for us now, guys. He's he's a, he's a writer. My pants do feel a little tight. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> We're not worthy. That's that's a whole nother reason. <laughs> We're not worthy. Wow. Uh, last but not least, Mr. Sennheiser USA himself, uh, Michael Drainer, the uh, sales manager, area sales manager. Sorry, for integrated systems from Midwest. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. And how can people find you? At Michael Drainer on Twitter. Also, M Drainer at SennheiserUSA.com. I didn't know Sennheiser made headphones. Oh, what? I, I, I don't. I don't have a pair. I, therefore, I don't know that you. <laughs> what did you use at Infocom? Oh, that's right. Do you so remember? Very nice. Yes. Those, thank you. those were those were not just headphones. Those were broadcast little uh, microphone. But headphones. They're, they're the same headphones as the HD two eighty. Really? They just have a, a they mic were, on them. They were yep. very comfortable. Yep. Yep. Nice and squishy. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, Sennheiser didn't pay Jack for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My name is Tim Albright. Uh, go by the website if you would, please. Uh, you'll find this program as well as a host of others. Uh, we just did our, our control show about a week ago called the State of Control. We have education, uh, live staging and events, DIY, all sorts of uh, 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 social media and marketing uh, show, and obviously this one as well. So avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.